Welcome to the episode something. I don't even know. Four? We're back. Five? We're back. Something like yeah. that. It's Friday afternoon. That's all that matters, yep. right? Yeah. That's the important thing. Yeah. It uh, it feels like winter here. It was 14 degrees this morning when I woke up and raining. Oh, yeah. And I was actually kind of, I know I'm not supposed to be excited about that, but what is it? It's November 17th. And yeah. uh, I get up and flick on, uh, actually, I asked the Echo. I've got a little like morning routine set up and uh, they told me it was 14 degrees and I kind of was like, oh yeah. But, getting uh, off easy. Yeah. Now it's starting to get cold. It's, uh, I guess it's supposed to go down to like zero today. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe winter has shown up. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe this is it. So snow on the ground soon, maybe. Uh, lots of fun. Yeah. Well, we've got a ton of things. So let me flip over to here. We've got a ton of stuff yeah. to, to go through. Um, and this is only like a fraction of the things. These are just kind of a couple things that jumped out at, uh, at us over the week that I thought were, you know, thought kind of interesting. I was looking this morning. I was just kind of going back through my notes to look at everything. And yesterday alone, Amazon had 40 updates like you know on the little what's new on aws news feed, items yeah feed 40 items i counted i actually sat there because i've got a little uh rss feeder uh, rss reader sorry not feeder reader <laughs> and uh, that was weird so um i i was scrolling i'm scroll i'm like how many are on here so i actually sat and counted them all and it was 40 wow yeah you know wow. why that is though. yeah well pre-reinvent the reinvent right. stuff yeah. that didn't quite make the cut didn't quite make it is uh what's going to show up now uh for i guess when is reinvent not next week but the week after i guess right yeah 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 so we're, we're down to like a week so i guess what let's see then we've got we'll, we'll do next friday and then the following friday would be during reinvent so maybe what we could do on that not next Friday, but the, the Friday after is maybe just uh, go through and do some highlights on the keynotes. That might be kind of fun. That's a good idea. Yeah. All right. So with uh, with that out of the way, let's jump right in. And I, I would say that, let me zoom here if I can. I would probably say, at least, you know, if you, if you believe the uh, social feeds and stuff like that. Oh, hey, Kevin, welcome back. Um, if you believe the social feeds, this is kind of, uh, I guess, the big news item of the week. So this is Party Rock, which is a tool that you can use, well, to kind of familiarize yourself and learn about uh, Gen AI. Kind of neat. Okay. Yeah. There was a video floating around. I, I watched it very briefly. Uh, it was, um, oh man, I should know. AWS CEO Adam Sablensky. I'm messing that name up for sure. Uh, he did a little kind of intro to it and had like a little quick video. Uh, looked kind of kind of interesting. Um, but I, I think what's interesting, most interesting about this is first off, it's low or no code. And you yep. don't even need an AWS account to actually use it. 
So you could just fire this up and away you go. Right? You can kind of start building things. And there's, uh, here, I'll share the link to it. This seems to be the trend, is they're all trying to get it as uh, low-code or no-code as possible. Yeah, I guess models. also, like, it would be it would be a good way for, you know, you get somebody started on it. Maybe the thinking yeah. is you, you start using, in this case, what are we calling? Party rock. So you start using it, you get used to it, you're familiar with it, and then you're like, hey, what's the next logical step it's probably not to go somewhere else it's let's start using the full bedrock product on on aws right. maybe right so that's the first one what do you think yeah i mean it makes sense they need to get something like this going right some easy way to get people into using the uh, service so yeah i'm not yeah. surprised yeah that's kind of what i thought too right just a, a really easy way to get started um let's see for a limited time uh, party rock offers free trial don't even need to provide your your credit card. I wonder how long that free trial will last before they're going to try to convert you to a paying customer. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And I wonder I know they would never give these numbers, but I wonder like how many people have signed up for Party Rock already? How many of those people will disappear once they are required to add their credit card? Provide to actual. It? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting yeah. to see what happens. So I would think, I think we mentioned this last year, or last year, last week, that, that reInvent is going to basically be all about AI. So I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if maybe there's some interesting content, even around just Party Rock or Bedrock in general over that week. Yeah. There'd be a, a ton of content, Definitely. I would suspect. I wonder if they might, maybe they could put up like booths for this thing or, or uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah I don't see know. what they do. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So that's the first one. That's the one that jumped out at me right away. And again, it was all over the socials yesterday. I think it was yesterday that they announced it. And yeah, right here, right? So it was kind of announced then and lots of people playing around with it. The next one, this kind of actually surprised me. So oh. this is, yeah, you, you know, you kind of just used to using these things, 15 years of CloudFront. So CloudFront oh, is wow. 15 as of, again, yesterday right. was that 2012 i want to say uh yeah i'll go with that like <laughs> i don't know or <laughs> I'm like no it's it's longer than that if it's 15 years it's 2023 2008 right yeah yep yeah. 2008 yeah carry the five yeah there you go simple math it was like what <laughs> how's that work so i just i was surprised when i i saw this just because well, CloudFront is just, it feels like it's always been there, right? So, and then as you just scroll down, oh, go ahead. One of the earlier services anyways. Yeah, back there you go, 2008. We, If I had have scrolled down a little yep. bit, we wouldn't have had to. <laughs> just read uh, the, uh... <laughs> math plus Friday equals nope. Yeah, you got it, right? Don't ask us to that do is... complicated things Friday afternoon. Correct. So yeah, launched in 2008. And then you can see in, in true Amazon fashion, uh, just you know, continuously adding new features and updates, all that great stuff. And then we've got, oh, look at this here. 2002 uses or can use 400 edge locations. And as of 2023, mm. I, th I, th I said 2002, right? 2022, 400, yeah. And then 23, we're above, above 600 edge locations. So, wow, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, pretty, pretty incredible, right? Here. Yeah. And then I think one of our announcements here in the, the tabs that I have open or one of our, our articles to talk about is, is this now. So they just released, I won't steal my own content here, but yeah, more about CloudFront <laughs> here in a second. So this is kind of cool. It's this one. Yeah. Yeah, just a service that is solid and continues to be useful for as long as it's been around. Yeah, it's kind of like if you're building public-facing workloads on AWS, really, if you think about that idea of, of layers in front of your core infrastructure... It's almost like if we flip back over here, it's almost a no-brainer not to plunk CloudFront in front of whatever the source is, right? Whether it's a static website in S3, whether it's something dynamic on a load balancer, and then just attach a WAF to CloudFront and I know I'm oversimplifying it and you're done kind of. You've got a public-facing <laughs> workload that should provide very low latency access to your customers and then you've added uh on top of sort of the built-in security features that come with cloudfront already right there's some stuff that it does for you then you've added the waf on top of that to give you the control over sort of those client requests and both of those services are are uh, uh edge location services right they use those points of presence yeah. so you're gonna be chatting with those clients as close to the client as possible so seems like yeah, a no-brainer if you're building those solutions right especially once you get past a certain scale right like oh yeah. you want to have your stuff available as close to the user as possible yeah. so yeah and then protect that back end with things like the waf right you know i actually just because i flip back to this slide see this lambda at the edge yeah. it's amazing oh, yeah. how time flies right like on our little website we use uh lambda functions that operate at the edge because one of the things when you've got if I'm, I hope I'm remembering this correctly. If you've got S3 mm -hmm. as your origin, CloudFront as, let's just yep. call it the distribution, right? If there's something here, I might mix this up. There's one of the services expects the trailing slash and the other service doesn't care at all if it's there. So I think what it is, is CloudFront doesn't care, but S3 wants the trailing slash. So mm. what you could do, and you know, it's really funny if I looked at the versioning of what's on that Lambda at the Edge function that we have, it's been there since, well, let's see, we started the business eight years ago. So what's that? Again, oh, yeah. doing math, right? Let's just say eight years ago. So we put a Lambda at the Edge function on that CloudFront distribution eight years ago. And all it does is it runs a little chunk of Lambda code, right? At the Edge that says if the client uh, in the URL, if the client doesn't have the trailing slash, add it before having to forward it on just in case, because if you don't, S3 will complain, right? So I just, gotcha. I noticed it here, like time flies. I didn't realize that, that that's been sitting there that long, like it's been available for that that long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess, guess that means we're getting old. Um, I guess so. Yeah. Hence... My my second job I didn't tell you is uh, is shopping mall Santa. How gray this is getting. Oh, nice. <laughs> Get a little side hustle. All right, and go. this one, this is this is another thing that kind of caught me off guard. Like uh, again, most of these I think I think today, 
almost all of these sort of talking points all came from yesterday. I was just floored. Like when I went back through my list, I'm like, nope, these are all really important things that are just getting jammed in before reInvent. But I didn't realize that Identity Center by default didn't enforce users to use MFA. I guess it's yeah. because we always set it up. But now, as of yesterday, uh, MFA is enabled by default. It's the required. first time the person Good. logs in, they have to uh, add some type of an MFA device to their account, which seems like a, a no-brainer for me, right? Great change, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think this this sentence right here, like the at the very beginning, it's one of the simplest and most effective mechanisms to help secure your accounts. Something you know is your password, something you have is a token. Yep, definitely yeah. having that on by default is is great. Yeah, yeah. No complaints here. Yeah, yeah. And I would say that, you know, just because we're talking about MFA, you, same sort of approach for uh, if you are creating IAM users, right? First off, try to avoid creating IAM users in the first place. Use a role yeah. instead. But if for whatever reason you do find yourself in a situation where you absolutely must have an IAM user, then make sure that IAM user has a multi-factor authentication device added to it because of that same sentence right here. Yeah, at least if it's for console access, that should be, they should roll that in by default yeah. too. But yeah. it's yeah. tricky because you also have to deal with access keys and yeah, uh, exactly. for people are using apps for that or, yeah. or using those for various yeah. applications. Yeah, all sorts of interesting stuff there that you have to deal with. So that was a good one. Uh, what's the next one here? You know what I you know what I loved about all these yesterday as I was going through them, that uh -huh. like I think a lot of times these types of updates, people you kind of overlook it. You're like, oh yeah, MFA, whatever. Uh, yeah, what what was one of the other ones? Uh, I guess we haven't got to any other ones yet, but you're just like, yeah, whatever. It's no big deal, right? Everybody wants like the big stuff like Party Rock. And that's the stuff that's going to be cool and we're going to be excited about. But what I noticed over the last couple of days as I was going through the list here is that yeah, so many of these things seem like simple changes, but they're like really great sort of quality of life updates. Quality. Yeah. Right. So, and, and I think this is kind of another one is that the auto scaling, EC2 auto scaling gives you more control over how it's going to replace your, your instant, your instances now. So that was okay. kind of neat. That's good. Um, I mean, I know they had the hook system in before, right? You could. Yeah. The lifecycle hooks, yeah. right. Have all, I think they've been there. Lifecycle hooks, I think have been there for a long, long time. We need another one of those little, if we flip back over here, we need one of these timelines so you can see yeah. when when all the, the changes have been added. But yeah, lifecycle hooks. And then you've always had some control because you've got, um, oh, what's it called? Is it just called a termination policy? So there's a default termination yeah, so. policy that tells EC2 autoscaling how you want to deal with like terminating those machines, right? And I yeah. think really a lot of times people talk about it as a way for cost savings. So terminate the machine that's closest to the next, you know, the next billing increment. Terminate that one first if, if you're scaling in. But, you know, being able to have a, a more control over that, I think, is, is really interesting. So you can see here, they've got policy presets, which I haven't looked at yet. I wonder if this is very similar to now in CloudFront, 
you can set up your mm. own caching strategies. I think they call them legacy strategies now, right? Right. But then Amazon but gives have, you a whole bunch of pre-built yeah. stuff. I wonder if this is the same. Yeah, I, th I would think so, or at least pretty similar, right? It looks yeah. like, yeah, you can yeah. pick your policies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I thought this was kind of neat, right? Having more control, but then also sort of relying on AWS maybe for some best practice here. Why, well, you know, Amazon always talks about undifferentiated heavy lifting. So why have to create a policy from scratch if Amazon's kind of, you know, they're seeing a lot of different things. Obviously they're the experts on this. Why not just leverage something that, that gets you what you need without having to build everything, right? Yeah, the flexibility's yeah. there if you need it, yeah. but if you don't yeah. need it, then. Yeah. So a little, a little announcement, but I think a, a pretty good one. It'll be interesting to see how this, uh, how people start using this one. Yeah, yeah. We're actually doing right now on the uh, the Tuesday night streams. This actually is interesting timing because right now we're working on a multi-region uh, web application, and oh, yeah. EC2 instances. It is just like I think I'll just use Apache or something like that. Nothing too fancy. So we've got the plan is to have a auto scaling group in region A and auto scaling group in region B. Yeah. Wonder if we could work this into it a bit to see sort of some of the try, features. Yeah. Might be neat. See what kind of policies they have. Yeah. Work that in and yeah, give it a shot. Yeah. So that was that one. Uh, let's see. Oh, trusted advisor is back. We talked about this. Was it mm. last week or the week before? I don't remember. I have my notes. Let's see. Probably won't be able to find Let's it now that I want time. it. Oh my God. 37 new RDS checks. Yeah. It was actually back Maybe. on November 3rd. So what, a couple weeks ago. Two we weeks talked, ago. Yeah. yeah, we talked about, and two weeks ago, Kevin, Kevin's reminding us, right? So two weeks ago, we talked about 64 new checks being added to Trusted Advisor. Now we have yeah. 37 more checks somebody can do the math for us that's a lot of new checks uh these ones are all rds based great yeah and then spread across the the categories that have always existed in trusted advisor yeah that's one of this is good this is one of the biggest surface areas you have to watch out for when you're securing your resources right is yeah. you have to make sure that your database isn't publicly accessible you have the right security config set up certificates etc so yeah yeah adding yeah, lots of trusted advisor to take into consideration right that's good yeah i wonder well I, I would assume again that these 37 new checks i don't see it let's see here enterprise customers on ramp and business can access that okay so yeah just like anything else then you've got to have business level or higher to get access yeah, to these new checks right so but yeah still to your point right you could you can mess a database up uh, pretty yeah. easily with just, you know, well, people make mistakes. So having trusted advisor there, well, to highlight those things that you maybe inadvertently did or overlooked uh, is always helpful. And for what? For business level support, it's not going to cost you a ton to get it, I guess, depending on the size of your account. But uh, it's not going to yeah. cost you a ton to add this. Right? So pretty good. You know, the thing I was thinking about this one is... You know, how do you how do you know what to use for this stuff? Because 
Okay, so now we've got 64 and 37. Let's make the math easy and say 100 new checks been added to Trusted yeah. Advisor in the last two weeks. Okay. You've got Security Hub that has a whole ton of checks in it. Um, is there anything else that I'm thinking of or that, I sh that I'm overlooking? Like I'm trying to think of other checks that, that exist in an account with an another service that you could also use. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, for resource configuration, it's, yeah, hmm. it's Security Hub or Trusted Advisor, right? Yeah. I, I wonder, like, how do you pick? Or do you just use them both? Like, <laughs> Well, you can alert off of Security Hub finding. I guess it depends what you're doing, right? Like, you can pull up the console for Trusted Advisor yeah. and see all the... See a, the recommended findings there. Yeah. But and... remember, again, a couple weeks ago, might have been last week, we looked at that uh, AWS Steph, the build on Jira ticket, which I haven't looked at again since we talked. But having a look at that, I think what they were doing was basically making API calls to trusted advisor, which again, you'd need business level support or hire to do. So you could then pull right. that info out. I wonder I wonder what would be easier like when you're thinking about notifications would it be easier to yeah. pull trusted advisor and pull that into your ticketing system or would generating notifications off of something like uh, security hub be easier I guess pick it your poison, probably depends right? on your yeah it depends on your ticketing system right yeah. um, you can subscribe to hub with a uh, with topics and stuff so I, I wonder if you can do the same with trusted advisor yeah yeah i don't know off the top of my head i i've always wanted in trusted advisor to spend more time and figure out some of the uh, the like the api integration the possible alerting and, and stuff like that that you could do but it's kind of always one of those things that you're like yeah let's do that and then you got 14 other things to do and the, right. the sort of tooling around with trusted advisor just keeps getting pushed to the bottom of the list until you well just move on and forget about it i mean the main difference is you need to have business support enabled right yeah you gotta yeah you gotta have business <laughs> if you level. don't have it then you're you kind can't of use trust advisors so you're stuck with yeah the security yeah. hub right so so then on the security yeah, hub I, side you'd need config enabled turn on tr uh Sorry, I screwed that up. On the security hub side, you'd need config enabled because it's going to create all those uh, config checks for you. Yeah. And then you're kind of off to the races at that point, I guess. And you could do that for free, meaning not for free, but free you would need business yeah. level support. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on your all, all numbers, depending on your account size, right? Yeah. But. Yeah. So there you go. We've got a hundred new trusted advisor checks over the last two weeks. There's value wow. there, I guess, depending on how you want to tackle your monitoring, right? Yeah. And I don't know if it's in here, but did you also see that AWS announced, I think it's, um, I hope I'm not messing this up. Um, if, do I have it in my list? Give me a second to scroll here. I don't think I do. Um, AWS announced that the health tool, you know how you've, you, you have the health dashboard? Oh, yeah. It now also supports uh, AWS organizations and you can consolidate all of your, yes. uh, if you've got an organization deployment, right? You can consolidate them all into a single account. I did see that, that's really useful. Yeah. 
because yeah. uh, before you would have to go and check it all <laughs> account oh. by account, see what, what issues there were. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, that's great. Painful. So I've already got uh, two of our customers that have forwarded that on to us and said, hey, let's let's set this up because right now, I'm thinking of one of them in particular, they rely on email notifications coming off of dozens and dozens of yep. accounts and it can get overwhelming and you can really easily miss things. So now what you could do is you can consolidate all that into one spot and then either use the console from there or now have a centralized sort of uh, notification system or something coming out of one account rather than having to tie it into dozens and dozens of different instances of your health dashboard. So that's kind of neat. Yep. Thumbs up for that. Yeah, that's a good one. There's a there's another thing maybe that would be another neat little demo we could do. Write some code yep. on how to consolidate that. That would be kind of neat. Pretty so yeah, it's simple enough to do, right? Yeah. yeah, I don't I haven't, you know, it's funny. I've never looked at the APIs like the the Bado documentation for health monitoring, the AWS health dashboard or whatever, but you would suspect it's been around for a while, so you would suspect that it probably has a pretty mature uh, API at this point that you could do a lot of stuff with. Yeah, I've been in there before. You can list the findings and parse out the data you want from those. So yeah. well, once you get you them aggregating to the same place, then... Well, yeah, yeah, then it's a lot easier, right? Because you're just having to hit that one account. Like you dump it into a monitoring account or something like that. And then from there, yeah. you just... you. Know, uh, I guess you could just create some simple Lambda functions or maybe even event bridge. I don't know. Yeah. All right, what's next? You know, I noticed over the last couple of days, and, and actually this makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Let me see if I can get this properly sized. Here we go. Console updates. So a lot of sort of refreshes on the UI are happening right before uh, reInvent. Oh, that's so, funny. Yeah, here, here's another one. So this will just drive everybody crazy now. I know, oh, click ops is bad, but hey, you know what? You're going to spend a lot of your time in the console. So uh, now you'll be, the next time you go into backup, you won't know where to find your stuff anymore. It'll all be gone. Great. <laughs> I remember when they did this, uh, was it ECS <laughs> or EKS? They changed the console and I was like, yeah. I'd never used... Let's let's say it was ECS. ECS I've never yeah. used ECS ever before. I was like, I don't know where all my stuff's gone. It's it's got to be all deleted at this point because I can't find anything. So <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so here's a you know uh, again a, a quality of life type thing back or you know a new console oh. and it looks like it yeah. kind of consolidates some of the information. So maybe you don't have to jump through so many tabs in the backup software or the backup service to find the info that you need. Oh. oh, this is specifically a jobs dashboard. Okay, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Because it was a little crunchy before. Yeah, didn't you have Mark to like click through a jobs. bunch of screens to find the jobs and the status of those jobs, if I remember? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you did. So. Yeah, and, and look what it says. Yeah, the backup copy and restore jobs dashboard save time and effort, reducing the number of steps to troubleshoot and remediate backups. Good. Perfect. Perfect. I was watching um, the last build on AWS stream yes yesterday. Today's Friday, right? So yeah, it would have been yesterday afternoon. Yes. And um, uh, they were having a, a good little chuckle because they were doing same thing, right? It, API gateway. Uh, you know, if you're not used to using the management console, if you write 
you know, CDK yeah. tool of choice. <laughs> and then you go in there, you're like, what? And, it, yeah. and, and all the documentation, a lot of the demos still have the old screens in them. And then you're like, where's the test button? Like, I see the test. I know there's That's, a test button, yeah. but where the heck did it go? So they were having uh, some fun trying to figure out where everything was in the API console, the gateway. Yeah, the API gateway, it's uniquely, it, it has some very unique elements on it. Yeah. So yeah. it can be a little interesting to navigate the first time you click on that. Oh, absolutely. So. It's a, It can be a bit of a nightmare. And then my favorite part, and, and you know, I... I mess up routinely on our stream on Tuesday, so I, I, it's okay that I say this, nice. but made a bunch of changes <laughs> in, in the uh, REST API, the dreaded don't yep. click the deploy button, and then you spend yep. 20 minutes going, why doesn't it work? And all of a sudden your brain goes, oh, you didn't oh, deploy. Right. <laughs> My favorite feature of the HTTP button. gateway is that you've got auto-deploy. Automatic, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So, you know, again, just stand uh, you know a quality of life type thing here to just help you uh, better manage your environment so that's always always handy good stuff lots of yeah. little quality of life updates that's yeah. great yeah and on that same topic new dashboards in the web application firewall as well so oh great I, I you know what the just because we were talking about backup and, and having to click through a bunch of screens to find some stuff we were just talking about how great the WAF is. You know, it's kind of a no-brainer to put it in there because it's a managed service. It's easy to use. You know, managing yep. the rules sometimes can be challenging and time-consuming. But also trying to find the information you're after in the, the WAF console, I always found it a little challenging. So we've got new dashboards uh, that you can see here enabled or available by default and no additional steps to set up. And you're just kind of off to the races with this so i think this is a good one i haven't looked in our waf yet i wanted to do that before the the stream today and i just yeah. doing something else and yeah it didn't happen so you can see they're giving you examples of of what you can maybe easily more easily find through the console than you could before great yeah yeah Qual quality of life right they like another console that needed an update so yeah needed a little refresh so it's good <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to notice a theme. There's mm. a little, uh, yeah. yeah. Mm. This is another one. Uh, this one is a little interesting, though, because, okay, you get a unified dashboard, some new views, yeah. but it also, where is it in here? Let me see if I can quickly find it. Okay, so this is the first part right here. Security dashboard brings WAF visibility and controls directly to your CloudFront distribution, including information about your trends, blocked activity, bot activity, or uh, sorry, cool. blocked traffic and, and bot activity all in one spot, which makes actually a lot of sense, right? Yeah, you'd want to know what specifically is getting blocked. Like uh, having a percentage distribution of the traffic would be nice too. Yeah, and just saves so. you from having to go between the WAF console, like if you have that really yeah. typical deployment where you've got CloudFront with a WAF associated to it, now what you've got here is from a central spot, you don't have to be jumping between the two tools to, to kind of work on things. So you've got, it says here, uh, a visual log analyzer, built-in blocking controls, all right within your CloudFront distribution now. So pretty good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it looks like you can aggregate by IP address, country, HTTP method. Great. If we can have all that on one page for that common, like that super common architecture, like you're saying, that's perfect. Yeah. Well, you think about how many public facing workloads we build and every single one of them outside of the occasional little outliers, CloudFront is the entry point with a WAF tied to it. Yeah. So if you can simplify the sort of uh, ongoing uh, management of those solutions and just visualize everything from one spot instead of having to jump between multiple spots that's a that's a a nice little i won't say it again but that's a a nice improvement (laughs) (laughs) all right what's next lambda so this is not a dashboard update oh thank goodness yeah there you go i i'm sure there were some more that i just sort of overlooked (laughs) But uh, this is an update for Lambda. So now you can uh, run your Lambda functions on Amazon Linux 2023. Oh, I did see this. Yeah, they have Node 20, Python 3.12, which is cool. Java 21, .NET 8, sweet. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I was wondering when they were going to release the new or a newer version of Python. I think they were on 3.9 for a while. Yeah, I, I I was in there the other day and I can't remember what version what the latest runtime was, but yeah, you know, this is, it's good always to have a newer runtime. So that's, that's good. And it also says here, it's based on the minimal container image. Uh, what else? I saw something else that I thought was interesting. It might've been in the, the, there might've been a blog post for this. Maybe I'm getting it confused. Maybe it was under here, but I think they were saying something about like because it's it's a smaller image, so you should be able to you know execute your yeah. lambda functions quicker. I'm not I'm not sure. Don't take my word for that. I I'll always look in the documentation. But that's Ooh, like okay. sort of the memory that I'm having as I was reading through this stuff. All right, I got to take a look at that then because that's pretty compelling. Yeah. So um, now that means we can run our lambda functions on Intel processors, Graviton processors, and now we can use the Linux runtime underneath the AWS Linux runtime. So that's perfect yeah and finally another sqs update okay great this one you're gonna say dashboard again i got no no i I, yeah we got through all the dashboards i bet you any money i left a dashboard update somewhere on the list that i we didn't talk to talk about but uh this one caught my eye because we had just talked about um SQS again a couple weeks ago maybe. Remember we talked yeah, about what was it? What was the announcement? Do you remember? Nope. <laughs> it's you know immediately what? gone. Yeah, let me see here. I got my cheat sheet. Oh, uh JSON protocol. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so you can use uh SQS was switching to the JSON protocol instead of AWS query protocol, end, yeah. which could give you a performance increase. So now you've got on top of that, you're now able to uh, get additional information about what's happening within your your SQS environment through CloudTrail. So they're supporting a bunch gotcha. of new API calls here. But it is a data event, so that means it's going to increase your costs. It. Yeah, you gotta yeah. yeah you gotta turn it on for your queue or queues. But then I always forget with CloudTrail. I think you get one copy of management events for free, and then if you for whatever reason decided to have a second trail also capturing management events. The second copy of your management events are are, uh, 
incur a fee and then data events uh, you, you you get charged for those as well. So I think what supports data yeah. events now? Do you know off the top of your head? There's SQS, there's uh, S3, S3 for sure. Is there anything else? Uh, I'd have to take a look, but yeah. those two I know for sure. Yeah. Maybe Dynamo. Dynamo. Yeah, that does sound familiar. Wonder. They at least yeah. have the trail. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I You know what? I, I can say that you know, on the data events side, I know data events for S3 are always really helpful because if you're troubleshooting or something like that, it's one thing to be able to get the API calls around, you know, the creation of a bucket or the, the changing config of the bucket. But then, okay, you get that all sorted out, but then your application isn't able to, you know, run a put or a get. You, you don't see any of that stuff by default because those are yeah. data events. So having that Looks enabled like on your buckets is is handy. Right? It's a good troubleshooting good, yeah. tool. Yeah. Yeah. There's quite a few of the serverless services that and allow you to enable them, like Lambda, S3, um, Code Whisperer, Cognito, Dynamo, EBS, even. Oh, even EBS. So, yeah. AMR, Glue. Oh, okay. Guard Duty. Yeah. There's all kinds of data events you can enable if uh, you need that kind of visibility. Yeah. I always kind of end up just always thinking about S3 because I spend a fair amount of my time troubleshooting permissions in S3. So it's kind of like almost a no-brainer now that don't turn it on for all of S3, but if you're working on a particular bucket and you're having problems, it's it's handy to turn it on to be able to get that info, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because I guess, again, with data events incurring additional fee, you'd have to you know depending on how busy these services yeah it could add up that's the thing a lot of these serverless services you might fire if you're on a particularly big application millions of times a month right so yeah yeah you gotta be judicious with that sneaky little bill increase without realizing beneficial to have it but you want to understand your the pricing models before you did anything yeah all right perfect all right well um that is everything in my list. Uh, did I let me just scroll down in my little cheat sheet? Yeah, SQS uh, data events is the last uh, tab that I should have here. So that's everything Perfect. that I stumbled Plenty across that I thought was interesting. And a couple of interesting tidbits. I'm going to try Party Rock out, see how how that's working. And uh, I got to look into this Lambda stuff, I think, because that's pretty compelling. If you can have like a just a base OS like smaller container image for the function yeah, yeah. well there's I, I would say there's all sorts of benefits to that right yeah just speed of use uh i you know i know cold starts are always an issue i don't know if just having that smaller base image would i guess it was going to depend on your lambda function still so the the yeah the os comes to life faster because it's a smaller container image but then if you've got a whole bunch of packages you've you've it's still going to take a while yeah that's the to thing. get going right I think for Python, maybe not so beneficial. We'll have to test and see. But for yeah. it, I saw in the update, it mentioned Go and Rust in particular, and they're, those would be they don't need all that layer stuff for the most part. So okay. for those kinds of functions, mm. could be pretty good. That reminds me, um, I'm going to find it for next week. There yep. was a really good article, and I, I can't remember who wrote it. It's I think it's a, mm. one of the AWS serverless heroes. And they were writing about cold starts 
and sort of you made me think of it because you mentioned the the layers piece right they were yep. mentioning about how layers i think the gist of it was like don't use layers because it could affect the start time of your lambda functions but i'll find it and i'll add it to the list for next week because i did see it bouncing around on on the socials for a while but uh just kind of just jogged my memory as you said layers there because i know the other day you and i were working on something and you're like get rid of the layer and yeah got rid of the layer first off it. it was easier to deploy and yeah. i don't have numbers but i don't know if it was if it lowered the the cold starts or the invocation time or not but i definitely know it was way simpler to deploy it yeah if you can get away with using the base libraries then you probably should right yeah but yeah. depending on your app depending on what you're doing yeah, okay. Obviously, but the, the classic yeah. IT answer, it depends. It depends. It always yeah. depends. Yeah. It always depends. All right. Um, well, I guess that is everything for today. Uh, as usual, thanks right. everybody for hanging out with us. We'll see you next Friday, uh, which will be the the we'll we'll call it our pre reinvent. It'll be interesting. Will there be any announcements in <laughs> the next week? Like it might just be you and I, I talking about movies or something, which Yeah. Well, our watching list for the weekend, which we're known to do. So uh, maybe we could end the next stream with movie recommendations. Maybe the, maybe the whole stream turns into uh, movie reviews. Forget this AWS <laughs> stuff. We're just going to talk about movies. <laughs> took a weird left turn. Yeah, very weird this left turn. Episode five, suddenly. <laughs> yeah, veer left. All right, folks, enjoy <laughs> your Friday afternoon and your weekends. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. All right.